Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. folks thank you for tuning into another episode of bucks of america podcast i am your host jeff fans now the episode hat of the week is toxin app it's uh, as you can tell here i have my hat on i got liz here she's got her hat on but uh we we liz ann and i met at Washara here last year now that we only got to meet for a very brief time because it's between the rain and being pulled in multiple directions and I'm doing podcasts and with her kids and stuff like that and her husband, we just kind of had a nice brief conversation. Then ever since then, Jeremy has been like about once a month. He's asking, have you talked to me yet? Have you brought her on the podcast yet? What's going on here? It's like, she, he's just like, he's just excited because he's the same way I am. We like to brag about our friends, especially when they're doing something for the greater good. And Liz here has Hunt. Hunter LA, but I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to allow her to break that down later on the podcast. So I want you to give you guys something to look forward to. But anyways, go find the Toxin app. You can find it on iTunes or on the App Store and for iPhone too. It's really good. I've done videos. Uh, Jeremy's done videos. Ben Klausman's done videos. So there's a lot of tutorials out there to walk you through how to utilize the app and such. And uh, if you have any questions, always ask because he, Jeremy's always there to answer for you. But so I'm going to st- shut up here. I'm going to let Liz take over here. I'm going to let her talk about her foundation in the hunting and what got her into it at an early age and what has solidified this passion to get where she's at today. So Liz, take it away, ma'am. Yeah. So um, my name is Liz and I actually, I just grew up here in Wisconsin. I have three older brothers and um just very involved in the outdoors since I was a kid with my dad. And then also with my stepdad, um, we did everything from, I mean, just hunting squirrels from being really, really little. Um, I know the first thing that I knocked down was a chickadee. <laughs> um, and just, just really got into it. Um, doing a lot of things with my brothers in the woods from a very, very young age, from identifying trees to baiting with my dad. Um, favorite memories would definitely be him carrying me on his shoulders through the woods because everyone just thinks that their dad is, you know, the strongest, biggest man in the whole world. And that was definitely my dad. Um, and so, and then with my stepdad, he did everything with hounds. So he did um, bear hunting and coon hunting and that was a whole another ball game that I was introduced into and kind of really brought me close with him and so it was really nice to have that every single weekend um we would be with my dad we have a cabin up in Clam Lake Wisconsin and we really got to be part of that elk integration and that was a really unique experience to be part of where we would actually have the elk trackers come to our cabin and tell us that you know, an elk was having a baby behind our house and it was, 
it was cool growing up. I mean, it was, it was different. I had all of these really, um, extraordinary experiences that a lot of people in my school really didn't get to do those kinds of things, you know, growing up on four wheelers and, um, having lots of independence, but at the same time, you know, learning a lot and having a lot of responsibility. So I always wanted to keep up with my brothers. I'm the only girl. I'm the youngest. And uh, I just, like I said, my dad, best man in the world. Um, and I and I love spending time with him fishing or hunting, um, deer hunting. I know I'm born in December, so I had to take my hunter safety. Or I didn't have to, but I took my hunter safety a year earlier. So then when it came time to hunt, I could go. And so actually when I was 11, that was back once it had the age of 12 being the legal hunting age. But when I was 11, I went out and I sat with my dad and I was already slinging arrows and um, it felt good, you know, for my dad to brag about me and just be really proud that, you know, his daughter could do everything that his boys could do and um, really taught me just a lot of life skills and providing for my family. Uh, my dad's an actually an amazing chef and he'll never admit it, but uh, he taught me how to cook. And so preparing wild game and feeding your family is another thing that really um, followed through with me. And then kind of keeping out of trouble too, you know, uh, hunting, you put in long hours and um, if you're staying up late, it's really hard to be awake the next day in the stand, especially deer hunting season in Wisconsin, 10 days long. That's the most exhausted I've ever been in my life is hunting for 10 days straight. You'd get up super early. You'd sit in your stand till about 10, 11 o'clock, you know, just, just before you couldn't feel your toes anymore. Cause you had to climb down the sand and then you would drive all day and then you would go back out about four o'clock in the afternoon and then you would sit until dark when again, you couldn't feel your toes and then you do it all all over again, 10 days in a row. So um, it, it really taught you, teaches you a lot of patience, um, hard work, perseverance, toughen it out, even when it's not the good conditions. And uh, it was all worth it. You know, really the time with family, time with my brothers, time with my dad, time with my stepdad. Um, all those things were probably my best memories growing up, even though I've never shot a buck ever. Cause I'm really picky. <laughs> really? So to this day, you still have not shot a buck. I've not shot a buck. I've shot all kinds of things. Alligators, all dad, um, axis. I've shot all kinds of things. I've never shot a whitetail buck. And I don't know. I'm really picky. I've had a lot of opportunities, but I just, uh, um, I think really like ethical shots was a big thing that came in when I was younger too. Um, cause I'm an animal lover at the same time. And so I just want to make sure that I have, you know, the perfect shot and everything is right. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I've, I've had buck fever. I've had, I have had, uh, um, this is my favorite story. I had a buck jump out over a fence that I was sitting on one morning. I was 16 years old. My stepdad was gone and I drove over to his house um and he has like a, a farm out in the countryside and I drove out there and I went to go walk out 
you know, four in the morning. It's totally dark out. And he had hound hound puppies that he couldn't contain. They all followed me out there. And so I just said, whatever, I'll just hang out in this field and see if anything pops out, you know, when the sun comes up. And these puppies, they wrestled and they played. They were growling and barking and everything. And I just, you know, sitting there, kind of hands up in the air. What do you do? And it was about 8.30 in the morning. And I was ready to throw in the towel. The puppies wouldn't be quiet, nothing. And I heard kind of like a tingling noise. And I turned my head to look because I thought one of the puppies had gotten caught in the barbed wire. And here was this big buck clearing the barbed wire fence behind me. Total shock. I froze. I had buck fever. I'm just in awe staring. And then I'm like, you need to shoot this deer, right? Well, again, kind of with the ethics, I wanted to make sure that it cleared the barn and cleared like the cow pasture and set up where it was. And um, I, uh, I, I, I froze. I couldn't do it. I, I just, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. I wasn't, wasn't ready um, in the little zone that, that I had to shoot it. And I was 16 years old. I mean, so, um, things have changed a lot since then. And it's, uh, it kind of taught me a lot too about shot placement, shot time, the short amount of time that you have and confidence too. And that's kind of, you know, carried to where I am today with, you know, the animals that I'm able to harvest or even on my trips where I talk to girls about, okay, when this animal comes out, like we got to be on it. We got to have confidence in ourselves. We got to shoot it. Um, and so that's probably one of my, one of my favorite hunting stories. I have so many of them, but, um, I always, I always just remember that moment of that sound and that feeling that rushes over you, you know, buck fever is a real thing. And I got made fun of pretty hardcore by the hunting group that I wasn't able to shoot it, but, um, but I still get to go out, you know, I've been hunting for 20 years. Um, and I just, I love every minute of it. So I'm okay that I don't have a buck on my wall yet. Um, but I'll, I'll have one. I know there's one, there's a monster in this woods behind me actually. Um, and he's still around. We're still getting him on deer cam. So I'll wait for him and it'll be worth the wait. No, do you, how big, no, so does he have his own little sanctuary in your property or do you have to fight for his attention be, between multiple properties? Yeah. So we have a neighbor across the road who's awesome. And he, um, he actually has given me permission to bow hunt it cause he doesn't bow hunt. But what the buck does is he lives in this little patch of woods that our neighbor has and it has valleys. He's really smart and really watch your movements. Um, but he always he crosses over in one spot and comes in and then he drinks out of this creek that we have behind us. So he's always coming over on our property. We have one neighbor that had a, a shot chance at him. Um, it was 60 yards with a bow and he wasn't confident that shooting 60 yards with a bow. And I was like, it's something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, definitely. I mean, so I, so I'm confident at 60, 70, I would be a little, you know, I think at 70 yards, I would take that shot. He looks like a mule deer. I mean, he's just, he is a beast of a deer, um, but really smart. And so I've kind of, I've been thinking of some tactics because my dad told me he was reading this article where, 
um, they did a study and two people would go out to a blind and then one person would leave and the deer would always come in. But if two people went out to the blind and two stayed, um, the deer wouldn't come in at all. And so my dad, my dad makes jokes of everything. He said, apparently deer can't count. And so (laughs) I said in bow season, I think me and my husband are going to go out to my blind. I'll have my husband leave and see if the big buck comes in. Um, (laughs) We're going to try just about everything. Right. Well, here's a story for you. This, this guy behind me here. My wife and I were sitting, we weren't sitting together, but she was sitting on the ground because she's not a tree stand hunter. I was sitting up on a two-man stand about 25 yards away. She's just like, my legs are, I'm just like, my toes are numb. I can't feel them. I'm going to go sit in the car and warm up. It's like, all right, fine. We only had maybe, I don't know, another hour left of light left. This was, this was uh, late uh, December, late November, or early, right on the rut. And this was Ben in 2018. And so she, she leaves and all of a sudden I see something come crawl out of the woods about 60 yards away. And it's like, come on, what's this over here? Cause it's like, it was all crossing between a bunch of branches. So it's like, I knew something was over there. So I grunted at him and sort shirt or what did it? Yeah. I grunted at him. And all of a sudden I see him like he is eating perks up. So then he turns back around and goes back down in the valley. And then, and he came within 15 yards of her, but then it's like, but it took over a half an hour to shoot him because he stuck behind the, the neighbor's lawn, the neighbor's yard there. And, he, and then he finally jumps over the fence. And then, then I have this little cedar tree in my way. He was just walking around. He's like, he was all in high alerts. I just let a little bit of grunts here and there and shirt. And he finally comes around 26 yard shot, double lunged him. And then if I would have just been patient and waited, a doe fall right out. But the story of the moral of the story is that it, it may actually caught may have cost him to walk it out of where he was bedded down. And that helped me uh, complete the shot sequence and put him on the wall. Yeah. I mean, and I, I feel like things like that, they, I hear stories kind of like that all the time that one person will get out and they'll kind of wrestle them out. Um, but I thought it was cool when my dad told me that study and I, because I actually laid out here, I came, I came out here really early in the morning. It was 4am. It was way before shooting hours. And I came down and there's kind of like, well, there's a Creek and then there's a ditch and there's a open field where he walks um, but there's kind of like a big hole in it. And I laid in this hole, <laughs> but I, of course I'm in blaze orange, but I laid in this hole and I was in there for seven hours before somebody who was driving by was concerned. They saw the orange in the ditch. They literally drove across this field to check on me. And oh, I was like, man. I'm hunting. Like this is Wisconsin. Like I'm hunting. Um, and so I was super bummed because, you know, I'm, you know, here I am thinking I'm going to be really sneaky and have this big buck. He's going to come in and water because he's never seen anybody, you know, come in or lay in or, um, so it didn't work out. And so that's kind of my next plan is bow season to have my husband come up to the blind with me. And <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be rooting for the two of you. I know. I know. And he's the best. I mean, Tony is so good. He's so supportive. Um, which is really nice. He's really not uh, competitive and I am really competitive. Um, But it is so nice that he would give me the chance to shoot it. And and even um, I was traveling last year 
Oh, opening opening bow season. I was in Colorado elk hunting, actually. And he was going to go bow hunting. And he said, he goes, would you be really mad if I shot that big buck? And I said, I couldn't be mad. I mean, if he came, you totally got to get him. I would be really jealous. Um, but so he'll be a good sport. And he'll, uh, he'll be my decoy. <laughs> so hopefully I get him. And then it'll be worth, you know, 20 years of hunting for, God, he's got it. He's a, he's a big buck. I think he's a Boone and Crockett buck. He's good. Oh, so. really? Like I was thinking, like because if he's if he's a few years old, it's like I wonder if he's like pushing that two hundred mark. He's oh, I would say so. He's he is really really big. Um, it, he's a traditional. There is one. There is a drop time. I haven't seen him, um, but everybody sees him because they all the deer come here to water. Um, so our neighbors and everything have seen him coming, but we haven't seen him on any cams or anything. So I'm not sure where he comes into water or when he comes in um but like i said we have this big one and but he's older and then i worry about that too as he gets older you know what's going to change but crossing our fingers we have we're kind of surrounded by big time hunters around here too but he's smart and so that's we just have to outsmart him and and get it done but but yeah and i like i said i've i haven't shot a buck but i have um you know, I've shot bear, awdad, alligators, um, iguanas. <laughs> have you ever been iguana hunting? Not yet, but as on my bucket list, I have a few friends of mine down in Florida that have invited me out there. They have a few uh, air, um, air, air rifles to go out there and shoot them, a couple of 30 cows and 150 cows if I did to go out there and, and just knock them dead. Because there's just so many of them everywhere. It is my favorite. It is, I shouldn't say it's my favorite, but it is it is a tremendously fun time. And at first when I had set it up and had had a few ladies interested in it, I kind of set it up. And at first when I had done that, um, I wasn't super eager about it. I wasn't excited about it. We were hunting alligator three days later. So I was excited to go, you know, gator hunting. But after we did the iguana hunting, uh, just hands down, it was so much fun. It was way more fun than hunting the alligators actually. Um, and they're big. I mean, we shot one that was almost as big as my body. And then when we were out there, there was one, you know, the guide said, there's one right there. And um, we started shooting at it, but you have to, um, like, pump these air rifles. You know, they're not, like, automatics or anything. So we went to go pump it, and all of a sudden, this thing was a log. It was so big. It was just this massive iguana that literally was probably the size of a gator. Just huge. And you got to shoot them in the head and yeah, this crazy stuff that we do. I think we ended up shooting like 42 iguanas, uh, me and my friend, or actually me and one of my pro staffers. Um, and it was so cool. And we chopped them all up to cook them. And we had bags of iguanas on our carry-ons. And <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. So what is the texture like from an iguana then? It's a, it's just a little more rubbery than chicken, I guess. Um, I know everybody compares everything to chicken, but um, really, it's kind of like that. They say um, chicken of the trees is what they call them down in Florida. And, oh, funny. And I, yeah, I would just say a little bit more rubbery than um, chicken, but it's it's good stuff. So, 
That's that's phenomenal. That's because for the listeners that don't are not aware that iguanas are an invasive species. They 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 kind of blew up after uh, what was it? Hurricane Andrew back in '91, where they just demolished a lot of uh, aquariums and pet stores. So all that got out in, out there in the open and such. And even same with thing with the uh, and. Uh, 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 pythons and also bulk constrictors those are rampant throughout the area and those got, and those animals will produce 20 to 30 eggs per set and they usually have what one or two litters a year Mm-hmm. yeah there's there's a lot of them and there's aggressive breeds too of iguanas so um i mean if you just think about it you walking in your yard or your kids walking in your yard or animals walking in your yard they that's where they are they're in people's yards and our guide basically has permission where we go um in this it's almost like a boatyard canal kind of area and you go through and um you pop them and so they're air rifles and so they're you know semi-safe um but then in maybe like areas that we feel like we probably shouldn't be shooting we've actually like blow darted them too <laughs> oh, I, was, I was just gonna i was gonna ask you that that was oh. that was a trick yeah, you 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 blow dart them and then you reel them in and then I guess you take a like a hammer or whatever and pop them in the head. Um, I did not do that. I'm actually um kind of a big scaredy cat and I just think they're really. I don't like snakes or amphibians or I don't like anything like that. So, um, but Rachel was my superstar. She was grabbing them and popping them on the head and they were hissing and. God, it was it was a good time. <laughs> so it sounds like it's highly recommended. I I know I want to get down there. I interviewed a guest, uh, John Hatfield. He lives in in Georgia, and he was talking about the hogs stuff. Like like, should almost just plan like a week long trip and just kind of just make my way down and hunt all the smaller smaller animals that are easy to get tags for, and go from there or get a license yeah. for where I don't have to worry about having a a quota or anything or a, or a limited amount. Oh, I, and I, I've said that so many times. I don't know how many times I've asked people and they look at me so weird. I'm like, are we in Florida or Texas right now? Because we have so many hunts based out of each one, but they're so similar. Or I said, I know we were fishing one time in Corpus Christi and I said something about, um, like the, the Texas, Texas DNR or, you know, regular, what do they govern? You know, do they govern this or is this considered ocean because it's a bay and, and or I think I said, but I think I said Florida, and they like looked at me, and they're like, "We're in Texas, so we don't." <laughs> you know, it's just weird stuff like that. Um, but they're both really great states that have so many um, like exotics and just really, you know, fun hunts that you can do. And it's warm. I mean, we're in Wisconsin, so it's nice to go somewhere warm and um, put some meat in the freezer, even if it's chicken of the trees <laughs> right yeah that's that is a unique thing i was watching on youtube over new year's eve with my dad and we came across the guy's uh youtube channel where he's actually bow fishing for pythons and i thought that was pretty interesting but uh, here's a little here's something that's that i thought was pretty remarkable that, that they can now add bobcats to the predator list for uh for by uh, for snakes because they caught a on trail camera there from the DNR there. Well, I wasn't says to the DNR, but somebody caught a bobcat sneaking in on a nest for a, a, a boa constrictor. 
And it's like the snake was there one instance and it scared him off. So that, well, after, after he waited for the snake to leave, came through and destroyed the entire nest. And so that was a, I thought it was pretty remarkable. I posted on my Instagram here. I think it was a few months ago, but it was really quite remarkable to add that particular predator to those, to the animal, because they're kind of like the apex predator out there. They've, they've been known to eat uh, alligators and such. So we need another predator besides humans to interact with them. Cause man, it is, it's, it's, it's an infestation. There was even ads, uh, I think it was last fall, I believe. I saw that they're paying people 60 to 80 grand a year to come out and hunt them. Wow. Because there's such an over, overpopulation because, you know, they get into everywhere. They get in the houses and they, they'll eat cats and dogs and stuff like that. So they need to come with some type of a solution to help cut, to, to take, come, calm down. They'll never, they'll never get rid of them, but they need to at least get them out of the residential area. I, yeah, you know, I, I think about stuff like that, like, um, so we've killed snakes before. It's not my favorite, and just thinking about, you know, hunting them, um, I mean, I got to go wolf hunting in Wisconsin, and I thought that was intense. I mean, you want to talk about, like, an apex predator, get your blood pumping, you gotta be super brave to be out there, you know, calling wolves in the middle of the night in their territory, like, they're gonna see you before you see them um like an intensity thing but when it comes to snakes i mean they're just so gross (laughs) (laughs) they are and i know i know i'm not the only one i know i'm a you know maybe sounds stereotypical like a woman like ew gross but i know i know grown men i mean my dad no like no snakes um i just I don't know. If they're dead, I can touch them and they're fine. And it took me many years to get to that point. But I just, even when they're alive, I'm kind of like, whoa, no bueno on that one. Like, get me the shovel and I'm going to stand way back here and stretch my arms out. But, um, yeah. <laughs> well, see, you wouldn't like me in college because I actually had a 10 foot long South American reticulated python. Or boa constrictor, ten foot long, feed him and stuff like that. He would, he would pile up right here and his head would come set up like this. It was, it oh. would. It would freak people out, but it's like once they got close, because you'd, you'd see the squint from a distance, and as they got closer to me, it's like, what? Because they were trying to figure out why am I having this? Because I would take it out for walks. So I'd walk around my apartment complex the whole nine. It was it was fun because it's like I didn't know what kind of attention I was going to get, and uh, I never had any problems with it. You know, it's just one of those things. And I had it for four or five years. I got it from a buddy of mine that had it, and I bought it from him. And but then in the the, the, the green the uh, highlight of the story is that when I would came time to get rid of them. I actually found a reptile enthusiast that actually does a traveling show or takes these uh, uh, specimens all across the Southwest. And so oh, he wow. didn't have a specimen that long. And I told him, it's like, it's, it's yours. Just go ahead and take it. So I gave him the aquarium and all that fun stuff. So at least it went into a good home. I thought you were going to say it escaped. <laughs> well, it, it, it happened once. And then I figured out what I didn't do. And I was just like, well, then I just went and got some heavier bricks and put it on top of his, uh, his oh port. Yeah. That's wild. Huh. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I was always, I've always been, I've always been fearless when it comes down to it. I'm not, I don't have any issues with spiders or, or snakes or mice or anything like that. Uh, my, my dad was always, uh, was, was a little instigator. So it's like, he would always kill a snake or, or find something like that. It's like, Hey, go show this to your mom. And the one story that always comes to mind is like, she's, upstairs this is late 80s early 90s up there taking a bath look look mom look what i found i'm oh. only eight or nine years old and it's like 
Oh, I, I can only just imagine the words that came out of my mom's mouth as she was yelling at him. And my kids are like that. They are fearless and they will grab salamanders or snakes if they can find them. Or I don't even, I don't really like frogs either. I'm not scared of them. I just don't like them. And they just think it's the funniest thing to, you know, bring it up to me and throw it in my face. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's just, ugh, they give me the GBs. I don't like them. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it probably, it probably is the whole thing about being the only girl with three older brothers and maybe being like tortured and tormented quite a bit as a child that. They just give me the GBs. And I hear as you get older, those things get worse. Um, I actually think I'm way braver than I was five, ten years ago. But I I just don't like them. I don't I, I feel like if I held one like that, like the snake discoveries and stuff that they do where they hold the snakes. I don't know. I think my heart might just stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those fears that I think it happens like you, when they're when a child's young and they, and they were they were had an experience that was not the most obviously not the most welcoming for it because there's always I've, I've seen it go in both ways where we're talked to people that they were tortured by their older siblings or they or the older sibling did something to an animal that just kind of just completely turned them off it's like nope don't want to do nothing with it but then there's so, so, folks like myself that were were shown that they're not you don't have to worry f- about fearing these ones it's the ones with the rattles you have to worry about you know because being oh. Because growing up in northern Iowa, southern Minnesota, being over here, we have to deal with the timber rattlers. And those are the ones we got to really pay attention to. But those occurrences don't happen very often now if you go down to Florida and, and Georgia. I, I have friends in both those states, and they always said it's like it's not uncommon to see one or two or hear them when you're walking out to your ground blind or tree stand or whatever you're doing. Wow. And I think that's wild. I mean, because I know, and it was just a couple weeks ago, we were in Minnesota, and um, – there was a, a timber rattler and um it's so unusual you know just thinking in wisconsin that that's not something that we're used to um but then hunting in the south and being prepared and um you know wearing you know gaiters to guard our legs and snake boots and stuff like that just being like really prepared but like you said people who grow up down there they know you know just how to deal with it but i just feel like if i'm walking and i hear a rattle i'm scared i'm scared and i think they're gonna like launch at me but i know they're not but i think you just kind of get those perceptions just because it is you know such a dangerous thing and kind of scary and you don't know where to step <laughs> mm-hmm. and hollywood isn't any better either you know it's like i remember recalling an episode of steve Irwin because i think he was someplace in wisconsin minnesota when he was covering that particular species and he happened to happen to step on a nest with a bunch of babies and it's you know how that man managed to get through some of those crazy scenarios is beyond my understanding but at least we're not in australia where everything can kill you so it's like we're, we're, oh, yeah. we're doing all right and I've been there, and I think that helped me face my fears because they have snakes and lizards and spiders. I mean, spiders like this that people welcome in their home. I saw one, and I just had a heart attack, and they're like, oh, no, they're good. They eat the flies and stuff. And I was like, I would not want a spider that big in my home. Or there was like a waterfall that 
I, you know, I really wanted to see. It was just this amazing, beautiful thing. And you had to go down these stairs and all down these stairs covered with big, huge, ugly lizards. I had to face my fears and then swimming. So I don't swim without shoes on. <laughs> this is the uh, being tortured as a kid. Just so scared a fish is going to, you know, bite one of my toes off. So I don't go into water without shoes on. And I went into, I went underneath that waterfall and swam under and everything, knowing full well all these rocks that have lizards on them that I'm swimming with lizards and snakes. And, um, but I guess at some point you got to put your fears aside and explore life and enjoy life and do those, you know, adventurous things. And it, it's helped me a lot. I mean, tremendously. And again, it's good to kind of like pass on to other people that I'm glad that I did it and I faced my fears and I kind of got over it, but it doesn't mean that I like them. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But that's what I think this is a good stepping stone. I want to talk about Hunter LA and like where your inspiration came from this. Cause what you just got to discussing and then you, then you take on this animal, like sometimes dealing with actual animals and dealing with humans is almost a little bit easier. So what, uh, what started this foundation or this, this project you've been working on for the last couple of years? Yeah, so um, it was kind of just um, coming back to my roots. Um, after I had my, um, my youngest child, she um, she's just kind of like, I don't know, just like this big motivator for me of um, passing on like a legacy um, and thinking of what I had when I was younger and what I didn't have. Um, and so I kind of got back to my roots of, growing up and being involved in the outdoors and I started doing um some field staffing and then while I was field staffing I just I found some kind of really big voids in the industry of being a woman in the outdoors um and started talking with other women and kind of kind of getting out feelers about how we feel about going hunting as mothers or as women um in even different categories fishing archery um traveling and doing hunts um all kinds of stuff like that and i just for the longest time you know as a field staffer i was just very um supportive and really motivational to these women to do these things and then i was like well if i want to pass something down why don't i just start an organization to do that to encourage women and get them involved in the outdoors um and offer them up these opportunities to connect with them and to get them, you know, on these trips. And so I just kind of, it was, it was like a new year's thing that I just kind of like launched this Hunter LA organization and it took off really fast. It was awesome. The amount of interest that I had in it. Um, it was amazing. The people that I met, you know, right away in the beginning, and um everything just really fell into place with outfitters uh you know for the longest time i actually struggled with outfitters because they didn't want to take a bunch of women hunting so i have lots of um dms of that just went unanswered completely where outfitters wouldn't take us on um and so i kind of sat back and i thought okay what what can i do um you know, to make these things happen. And I basically came to the point of we need to find 
quality people, um, but that their quality isn't known yet. <laughs> so people that are just kind of starting out, but they still, you know, have kind of the backing to provide the good hunts, which is awesome because um, hand in hand, I've helped grow, you know, their outfitting services as well. Um, and so we just, we ended up, I honestly, I owe everything to God on all of this because he just, he landed the right people, the right places, the right opportunities, um, from the guides to the women that went on the hunts that now, um, as this has grown so much, I have pro staffers that host hunts. Um, so I can stay back and focus on, um, you know, raising my kids more. Um, and limit my travel before it was every single month I'd be traveling the country, um, to go on these hunts. And now I, it kind of, it kind of goes through every other month as much as I enjoy it. I also enjoy being a mom and being home and taking care of my kids. And, um, we have, you know, land that we're responsible for and, um, all that stuff. But, but yeah, so I just started putting together these hunts, um, from snow geese to, access deer um that's the next trip that we have coming up um alligator hunt we have 20 women from across the country hunting alligators it that's was amazing. amazing hats yes. off to you yes it was it was a lot of fun and um making the connections you know um i say it always sounds cheesy but um a sisterhood is basically what Hunter LA has turned into. And we keep bringing people in, um, and hooking them up. Sometimes there's, um, women who are single and they don't really have like the confidence or the knowledge to go hunting, but they want to go hunting. And when we bring them in, it works out so good because I've said, I always have this open door policy that anybody who comes on my trip can come and hunt our property like you want to come hunting whitetail let me know when you want to come up here we'll set you up in a blind um we've done it with turkey hunting where we've had um people from across the country come here and go turkey hunting um i actually do it out in colorado um where i host like a turkey hunt also with um one of my pro staffers that i just met on a hunt you know she we met on a hunt. We hit it off. She's awesome. And so now we host turkey hunts that are open to women out there. Um, we just had a girl from um, Mississippi shoot her very first turkey out there. And the experiences, um, the knowledge, um, the friendship, the loyalty, um, all of those things kind of wrap into one of what I do. Um, and then we also do. Um, fundraising and stuff for disabled hunters, veterans, um, people in the hunting community who are struggling, whether it be like um, doctor bills from um, cancer or heart issues or stuff like that. People who are really, um, who give back at the same time, you know, it's time to give to them. We raised funds for a track chair for a young lady um, named Cheyenne Pistol last year. Um, so she can enjoy the outdoors. She came on a snow goose hunt with us in Arkansas and had to have like the guide carry her out. And then, um, I actually purchased like a specialized blind for her, um, to help because she's paralyzed from the waist down. Um, so we 
had kind of the specialized blind set up, but um, kind of ultimately she wants that independence and she wants to be able to do more. And so we raised funds and now she has a track chair and she just, she actually went on a deep sea charter um, with another girl from one of my trips uh, just a couple weeks ago. So it's cool how we can um, help people out, bring people together, promote the outdoors, um, empower women that are out there. And then we do stuff with kids too. So we do um, youth turkey hunt. Um, we always have kids come out to do youth turkey hunt. Uh, we do youth fishing stuff all the time. And then next year we'll actually be doing um, like a youth shed hunt uh, that I'm really excited about to just get kids excited about spending time in the woods, um, walking around in the woods, right? Um, Let me know what that is. I will gladly bring my daughter up there because I think being around more women because like none of her family members on on her mom's side hunt. I mean, her mom used to hunt, but with three kids and stuff like that, she, it just, that is now on a back burner type scenario. And we took uh, my daughter this, this, this past weekend to mission 18 and she actually had a blast. We recognized that she, the bow that I had gotten for, she's out grown and stuff like that. And so before we left, I had her give her bow to uh, Seth uh, Baranowski and he's developing a 501 C three to doing, getting youth out in the outdoors. He doesn't want to pitch him hold himself just to archery. So he's, he's we've been, he and I've been talking back and forth since yesterday about like my wife came up with an idea. It's called transcendent elms. And it's like, he chose elms for the aspect of it that for the longest time, long bows were made at elm. Uh, most, some of the best furniture is made out of elm. And so we just kind of, and like, and how it all works and how it provides shade. And it's got a beautiful story behind the whole thing. But he, we got, um, we, there's a child that he kind of uh, basically adopted as, as another child, but his dad recently had passed away. And to get him out of his funk, he brought him to Toma and he brought him this weekend. And I shot with him both weekends. And kid is just, a, he's, he's, he's really starting to show his character and he's just, very heartwarming to see, but getting back to him though, it's like, it's just, she's really, she had a lot of fun. And, uh, Kayla, uh, Rose, Kayla Rose, she is, um, Tyson Trunkhill's fiance. She is just been in archery for one year. She's been on my podcast a couple of times. I think if you, she's not going to be at, um, uh, Red Mountain because they're going to be in Florida. But uh, one of the next events, if you guys can meet, I'd like to introduce you two together because she's only been archery. She just took, she took, uh, like first, first or second place at the R100 in Iowa here last May or this, just last month, and she's just kind of really setting the bar for for getting folks that have been always introverted and getting them out on shelves and and shell and just kind of blossoming and just kind of seeing how what she's done has provided such an impact for so many people. And plus, her both her daughters shoot too. All all three of their kids shoot. Yeah, and it's I mean it's so empowering and kind of that thing about being shy. Um, actually one of my best friends I met on a hunt and when we, I drove down there and they were already there. And so when we got there, we kind of settled in the house and we were sitting at the table and I was like, oh man, like this girl's crabby. Like she's, (laughs) she's really cranky, but it ended up being like, she's just an introvert. She's really shy. And now she's one of my best friends. Um, and she has been on, I think, four hunts because she's just a rock star. She loves it. Um, and she loves how empowering it is. So we ended up doing like a ram hunt 
Um, and she came on that and right away she was just really down on herself about her bow. She was worried about it being on the plane and getting knocked around. She was worried about it before she came down. It wasn't, you know, she didn't feel confident about it. And then we were out shooting and it was windy, you know? And so she was not getting, you know, the groupings that she wanted. She was like really frustrated about it. And I was like, you got this, like you can do this. And, um, ended up, um, basically just telling her it's like a 3d target, but it's just moving a little bit. <laughs> so if you just shoot it, I mean, it's okay. If you shoot a five, you're going to kill this animal. Um, and then that morning I actually had pulled out, um, some scripture and it was about confidence and she went out that afternoon and she sat and um she shot a beautiful uh Corsican ram um but she didn't even message us for 30 minutes to say she shot it because she was so nervous and just unconfident really you know she was just worried about her shot and she said um after 20 minutes she got out of her stand and walked over there and there he was laying dead she just couldn't see him because it was like you know just just out of her sight and and we laughed and she's like it's it's life changing you know like you're changing lives because now she feels like she can tackle you know anything with a bow um and her confidence is through the roof and um she had zero uh girlfriends before this trip she just thinks women are catty which it happens um lots of drama or gossip and she just didn't want to be part of it um she's she's a she's a pretty tough chick she works in a mine um so all of her friends are guys um but now again she has kind of this sisterhood um friends forever memories forever so it's it's really cool doing that stuff i absolutely love it and then just having connections across the states too you know anytime we want to go well we can go ice fishing in wisconsin but um they're up in like northern wisconsin and they have the ice castle and all that great stuff too and so there's you know an invite to go ice fishing anytime or um and and just finding people that you can you know kind of have that connection with to go hunting kind of anywhere um we did it elk hunting last year me and uh a girl named lizzie from colorado went out in Colorado, just the two of us and went elk hunting. And it was so cool that, um, you can kind of build relationships like that, but even confidence to go do stuff that you never thought you would be able to do. So, um, it's unique. I, I, uh, I love getting new people into it and I love growing the sport. And, um, we've had all, like I said, kind of just all walks of life show up for all kinds of reasons and come on these trips and, um, in a lot of circumstances, it's been life changing for them to just find an outlet or find something that they can be passionate about, um, or find something to, you know, occupy their time. So, um, it's been a great blessing and I just, you know, want to continue that. I'm so thankful, like I said, that I have some really good pro staffers now that are helping out and, um, yeah, it's good stuff. That's good. I, I I like how you just brought up confidence because I have you read or listened to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but recall, but in chapter two, they do the the self self confidence formula. Yep. 
I think that would really provide, like when you mentioned that, it's like I just got done covering that because at work I have a pretty good library of stuff that they have for free for us to, to utilize. And I just heard that and I just went online or I actually wrote it all down, stuff like that. And like the affirmations are so powerful, just one through five. Number five is the most important one because it's like it really hits on different levels about being self-confident, not being negative. Don't be don't talk ill of other folks. I mean, it's very it's very spiritual, the whole thing, and especially on top of that, too. Like be believing like like I made a post today on my Facebook saying but perfection is is can only be achieved through practice and by faith. And I thought that was something that was really powerful coming from Napoleon Hill because you can sense there's a lot of spirituality flowing through that book because it's a it's about um, attracting what you want, but also having the humility and getting there. And then even in chapter one, when they go through the six steps about becoming a being financially set, you don't have to be rich, but it's just something that really could really bring a vision together. And whether you're not, just just execute that plan. Right. And that's, you know, that's kind of these trips too. It's not all about hunting. It's a lot about growth, um, self-growth and a positive atmosphere and um, people that you can connect with to be in that positive atmosphere. I mean, we just don't, we don't have the negative. We don't tolerate the negative. It's just not anything that exists. Um, and when you really have like positive vibes going like that, it, it, it wears, you know, it wears off on you. If you're coming from a negative environment and going into a positive one, and then you have all of these people that are giving you all of these resources to kind of, you know, change things around to the positive. Um, it's been amazing. And it's, I, you know, I guess I spent a lot of time in my life wondering, um, what can I do to have that positive impact? And really, I, I'm doing it in the outdoors. And I think that it's, it's amazing that I get to do things that I love and help people and um, pass on to the next tradition. Really, that's kind of the big, the big thing. I just really think we need to keep these traditions alive, get as many people involved as possible before, um, you know, our freedoms kind of get stripped away because people aren't um, being part of it. They're not carrying on these traditions or they don't care. And then, um, when it comes to, I guess, not, well, political too, but I mean, we need to voice our opinions to like the DNR. We need to, um, you know, vote for what needs to happen to like kind of keep our traditions alive. And the only way we can do that is with strength in numbers. And so we need to grow that, um, that population that's, that's into those things. So, you know, a lot of things going on, but, um, it's it's bigger you know it's bigger than just women going hunting and um my favorite part about it is the big picture that is 100 percent correct because by bringing these folks in together no matter what it is something about the outdoors that really kind of rekindles their spiritual awakening in a sense because a lot of folks that when they when they begin their life they kind of they don't they differ from the path, but they're not quite sure where the path should take them. And by introducing the outdoors with them and bringing in the spirituality of our Lord and Savior, it seems to bring in that connection. It, it takes their it takes their their point of view from being wide stretched to a little bit more focused to be able to get them through the next area. Because the the there's so many unique teachings that we we learned in for when you can how you can spirituality, mental health, and all this stuff works together because it's a reconnection to your soul. 
And I think that's what, what has happened over the last few years or last, I think, pretty much ever since uh, uh, the TV was developed. It's like we that's always been kind of it's, it's been a growing distraction. And now with people with what has happened over the last two years and it will, it will, it will never stop happening, but it's, it's really kind of revitalized some people's spirituality, bringing them back out of the house bringing them back out into, into God's playground and, and really appreciating the beauty because we've seen record numbers all across the United States with hunting licenses, fishing licenses, boats, um, fishing gear, all that fun stuff. We saw record highs because the folks wanted to get out and do something. And now we're starting to see some issues with our food supply chain. And it will come this fall. It's, you know, it's going to be ridiculously expensive because these farmers got to pull everything on out and diesel is just not being very being very nice and and it's been made clear that our our current administration will not will will purposely continue driving the recession into a depression but that can go into the world economic forum and and going down to agenda 21 there's a lot of there's a lot of rabbit holes that i've i've kind of learned that you have to pay attention to what's going on because you have to pull yourself up to a thirty thousand foot view and once you change or alter that mindset you start seeing well two birds of the, two wings of the same bird type scenario and you start looking through all the bs that goes on it's like well we know the the democrats don't like hunting but the 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 right likes the second amendment but they want to take a public lens away so it's we're getting struck on both sides and yeah it's, like, it's uh it's scary i think i think a lot of it is it's so complicated and that's like i said kind of when i'm talking about like a legacy or something i want to pass on to my kids um, it is scary and I don't know where the country's going, but I want to make sure that my kids are provided for um, and that they are able to provide for themselves when it comes down to that time. Um, and when they're doing that, I want them to be doing it the right way. You know, I don't want them to, um, I don't know, just, I want them to have the freedom to live a simple life and still um be able to provide for themselves or their family um and hunting hunting fishing trapping being outdoors i mean we ride horses too i mean we have lots of outdoor skills the majority of our time is spent outside i think our tv's covered in dust at this point <laughs> um and it, it's amazing though the simplicity and the peace that it brings um we're aware of what's going on um and it's scary, but we know that we're going to be okay. We know that we have meat and we know that no matter what, you know, we're going to be able to um, survive with, you know, whatever's coming or whatever, whatever ends up happening. And we still enjoy life. I mean, we're happy. Our hobbies are here. Um, and yeah, we kind of roll with the punches, but stand, you know, stand up for our beliefs and make sure that we're ready, ready to just keep on living. Really. Mm -hmm. Now, do you have a five hundred one c three branch to your to Hunter LA, or is that something in the works? Yep, yep. So the five hundred one c three is um, kind of in the process of the paperwork. Um, life gets so busy, and so we're got a lot of stuff going on, but we have like the paperwork and everything is just kind of going through the filing process right now. Um, and so, yeah, we're really excited about it. Yeah. So I know like with my experience with working with the HJUSA, it can be kind of complicated when you're dealing with the, the 501c3 because 
like Chris right now is the only structure for Wisconsin, but it's like, if you want to try to go, glo- go, inter- go national, it becomes quite uh, taxing. It's almost as if they don't want to, to, to create a, 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 an opportunity for folks because with your opportunity right here, what you're, what you've got going on is something that will really blossom. Cause it's like people from torn homes or better childhood or uh, in a, uh, woman's shelter type scenario hearing about this and, and hearing the testimonials and in that experience for them getting out of that rough situation and moving them into something better that just kind of seems like it's going to go in the right way so with your with your situation are you guys going to are you guys going to be limited to wisconsin or have you guys worked with lawyer that can get you nationwide yeah so we are that's kind of the hoops that we're jumping through um, and actually what's really cool is this, um, one of my pro staffers that I was talking about, she's actually getting her, um, paralegal degree. So she's furthering her schooling now to get a paralegal degree to really get in kind of the ins and outs of exactly what you're talking about to, um, move forward and like build. Um, so, so yeah, long term for sure. We want to expand like that. Um, it's it's really difficult. We, um, my husband actually founded the Vets Fighting for Vets nonprofit, and it, it, they, you're you're exactly right. They want to stop you in your tracks, um, because they basically asked us, you know, the one time when we were, you know, continually going through paperwork. There's so much paperwork to go through all the time, but they were asking, you know, what are your service areas? And we were like, oh, we do Wisconsin and Minnesota. And they denied it and they rejected our, um, like, uh, our renewal for our 501c3 status because we said Wisconsin and Minnesota and you can't do that. And I thought that was ridiculous. I feel like you just like roped us in and then like slammed us down. And so, so yeah, you have to, um, like go through a bunch of different loopholes and it seems so strange to me that they would do that because you would think on this broad spectrum you would want to be able to help as many people as possible um so that those are kind of the loopholes that we're going through um because i it must be a state by state difference or um i don't know maybe i'll have to uh pick at chris a little bit (laughs) see if he'll ever find some time um to chat with me he's such a busy guy but um but yeah, I might have to pick his pick pick his uh, brain a little bit to look into some of some of that. You know, she's working on it too with getting her degree to finish that, and I think um, she'll be done in the fall actually. So, so slowly but surely, we're getting there. We're still doing all of those things that a five hundred one c three does by like giving back and um obviously empowering and helping and and sharing and all of that kind of stuff but um it will be nice when we officially have that title um and then um i know that we're um eligible for grants and stuff to help out with that which i hope continues um the government and all of that continues to do grants um not only for women but also for like the outdoors because we need it. I mean, we need it to survive. We need it to um, flourish. We need it to find peace. Um, and it would be a really sad day if 
all of those traditions, you know, from from generations disappeared. Um, we need to stand up for for our rights and our traditions for sure. Oh yeah, I just I was watching uh, George Carlin's America. He just came with a documentary here on HBO, and, and I've always found him remarkable because of what he did for this, the first amendment and such like that. Some people may not like some of his political views, but you know, he still has to eat too as well. And just kind of going where, how all, how that went. But he was talking back in the sixties and seventies, all about the whole stuff we got going on right now. And his bits are still true to this day. I mean, he's, he's probably why I consider him the goat, you know, cause he just, he just knows how to nail it right on the head, but he was talking about like how, everything we, we basically poison the earth but we get the more people outside in the world outside outside the programming of a cell phone or a laptop a tv they'll be able to start becoming more stewards of the land and that's what we need to get people back to is getting them to the steward of the land instead of being duped where everything is you, you, you have the illusion where everything's always going to be at a grocery store but eventually it's not going to be the case because we we're starting to see a science fiction movie turn fic turn non-fiction yeah and and i I, I just say that to my husband all the time. Even I, I just don't like chickens at all, but I'm like, I think we're going to have to get chickens. <laughs> um, but, but it is, it's happening. And, and, uh, my stepdad had said that to me too, because, um, we want to build a house. My husband is just really moving forward with building this house and I'm just really nervous about it. And, and he said, uh, when everybody's running in one direction, you need to, be running the other way is basically what my stepdad who's in construction told me if everyone's doing it you need to be doing the opposite because it's it's going to crumble no matter what um no matter what our positivity wants to tell us it can't go up forever it has to come back down so um yeah we're we're preparing for it we're getting ready i think it's um yeah, even like the archery thing, you know, I even said that to him. I said, keep buying arrows. <laughs> Do you know how many arrows we own? <laughs> I know, I just, I, I just. important. I was like, well, bullets are so expensive. Might as well just keep buying arrows, right? Yeah, exactly. I just got a dozen arrows from the, the silent auction, so I got to pay Chris for that. And yeah, that is, that is the thing. It's like getting stocking up on those arrows and such and kind of – and the unique thing about chickens is that there's there's some regenerative agriculture part of it too because I've seen people where they just – where they make a chicken coop. But what they do is they just basically put all the chickens in one little area and they, they come through and they put the feed down, put the cage on top of it. And then they let the turk let the chickens back in there. But with them pecking and scratching, it aerates all the ground and promotes regrowth. And with all the seeds that don't get plant, don't get eaten, well, eventually they're going to come back out again. And you just you just move this cage around, and you can you can have a, a beautifully regenerative property throughout your entire area. So this way, you'll have that balance, and you bring in a few goats, and you just took care of your your lawnmower needs. You need to send me that chicken cage because that'll that'll probably be the the uh the weight that topples me over and i'll say all right get the birds because i like that idea i think that's awesome really yeah as it's just one of those unique things about youtube shorts i just kind of stumbled across it and i thought this was pretty neat it's like <laughs> right. this is is fantastic especially if you have a small yard but you want to keep it growing nice or if you're or you're trying to rejuvenate your lawn because of uh crabgrass or something like that and you and it's just a low-tech way to produce a better quality gr uh, greens. 
I could do that. I could handle that. That sounds good to me. I just don't want chickens wandering around everywhere. I think that's my biggest beef. <laughs> I have a friend of mine. She runs a uh, rehab facility down in Arizona. Now, the biggest thing that she deals with is cats. And I'm, not, I'm talking like the mountain lions and the lynx and, or Mountain lions and bobcats will come down off the mountains in Arizona, but also dealing with the coyotes too. And they'll come through and they, she had something got in here, got a had a coyote get in and she, they lost 30 chickens. Right. Wow. Boom, done. Yeah. Cause they're almost like a spree killer. She managed to set out there and got it to come in, got two of them, got a male and a female. So that helped out. Uh, no she, yeah, she is. She's a badass. She's, um, Oh, she just got promoted to, Oh, what was her promotion? Because she she's a um, veteran. She served. She was a paratrooper and such. And where are you at, Deuce? She is somebody that I want to have on my podcast as well. But her workload is quite insane because of what she does. Anyway, I'll have to look it up. But she got promoted as a uh, VFW leadership in some position here just this past weekend. So, and she's covers pretty much the Southwest and she's uh, doing some amazing things. And she, she also has the boy Scouts coming in and helping them clean up, but also teaching them animal husbandry, um, habitat survival or habitat, uh, habitat um, rejuvenation type thing. Cause it's like, she's got a few acres of land, but helping that teaching them how to keep chickens and ducks and geese alive in the desert and trying to and maximizing the monsoon season and all that fun stuff. So she's quite remarkable in that, that forward thinking. I think that stuff is so cool. And you know, that's like I said, that's just kind of their building blocks of, you know, things that I want to do and um, grow with Hunter LA and help, you know, just help people grow in the outdoors or, um, because the outdoors, it involves so many things, you know. Um, like I said, I don't just go hunting. I, you know, ride horses in the outdoors. We do mounted orienteering with our horses, which I just think is, it, it's an awesome thing. Our kids love doing it. Um, I love fishing. You know, I'm part of this um, group called Casting Queens that we get women from across the country and do fishing and stuff together. Um, and conservation, you know, that's that's like something that's really important to me. Farming is really important to me. You know, we have our horses, we make our own hay. Um, and, and I'm not really good at gardening, uh, but I'm getting better at it. And so just kind of, you know, stuff like that to just grow outside. And again, kind of find that peace. The, that's where it's at. Peace is in the outdoors. It's, it's simplifying life and it's taking away um, all the other distractions and, I just love it. I think it's, I love hearing about people that are doing all of those things too. So. Exactly. And with being outside and putting your hands in the dirt and the, and the lifeblood of, of, of uh, mother earth and stuff, you're able to reconnect and get your vibrations back on the same level as the earth. What do you have planned for this upcoming uh, later summer and into the, into the fall? Yeah, so we always do um, at least one trip a month. Um, and so we have Stingray bow fishing, uh, Axis, and hog hunts. Um, we have an alligator hunt coming up, and then we have a archery um, ram hunt. Um, and those are all things that are on the books um, right now that are officially booked. Um, and then... Um, 
next year um in the springtime too want to go it's an experience of a lifetime it's a tornado of birds um it's so fun and we get um 12 ladies from across the country to go on this trip and it's kind of the originator it's the first trip that hunter la ever hosted was a snow goose hunt and it's just it's brought so many people together so much fun um it yields really great meals um and it really empowers people too it's a lot of fun um kind of just getting into i don't want to say waterfall but um shooting birds in the sky <laughs> it's pretty cool it's a it's a doorway um to really get involved so um but yeah and we host or we post all of our events on the hunter la facebook page um so if anybody's interested in those just go on there and check it out and another thing that's really fun is i'm always open to suggestions so if anybody's like oh i've always wanted to go and shoot iguanas i mean that's kind of how it happened was somebody that was going on the gator hunt said that they always wanted to shoot iguanas and i was like let's do it then um so it's kind of cool like that where we can set things up like that um and get people doing what they want to do um and then another thing that we do is um affordability is we do um payment plans with people um so they are able to afford the trips and go on the trips um and we like to keep our prices low also so um i think our most expensive trip that we've ever had was like $2300 but it was like a week long all inclusive um really crazy big outfitter trip um but normally they're under a thousand dollars really all of our hunts are under a thousand dollars and if you can go you know hunting um meet women make connections it's not going to be the only trip you ever go on um you know bring home an animal that you've always wanted to harvest um it's definitely worth it like i said we do those payment plans to kind of make it um easier and more affordable to keep to get people signed up definitely what you should do too is look at uh uh, plasma donation centers like uh, BioLife or CSL, where you donate plasma. It's like right now, BioLife is paying a hundred bucks a week, and that's like three or four months, and you got yourself a trip paid for. It's tax free, <laughs> which is the best part. So, and uh, what is it? Um, if you're brand new to whole donating, depending on what company you're with, they also offer an incentive bonus, like a sign up bonus. Like BioLife this month is doing 900 bucks. You go over the course of like five or six episodes, five or six donations. That's that's a trip right there paid for. So I, uh, I, I can't. And you're repeat. helping people. Yeah, exactly. So you, you get the best of both worlds, the whole aspect of it. And with the with that, you can. I tell people here in Lacrosse because we have a bio life here because we have three colleges. And I tell them it's like if you're if you're like if you're doing if you're a business, you need to have these these signs put up around your walls. So this way that it just kind of you're subliminally marketing for it because it's like. Oh, BioLife. I should go donate so I can spend money here. That's a great <laughs> idea. Maybe that's what I need to do is like hit up the ba- the women's bathroom stalls. See, I did that at the ATA show. <laughs> that's not a bad idea, you know, because they're sitting idea. down. And especially like well, depending on what the venue is, there's always a line. So it's like, well, you might also have that's where you should have the majority of your advertising. Yes. Yep. Well, this has been pretty exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to And I will, and for folks that are listening to this, I will, I'll, now, since I, I'm, I've always liked the page, but Facebook tends to has a way of muddying my waters where I can't see what I want to see. So I'm going to do better to get these 
events posted. So this way, then folks can be able to see these events, go and apply, and then go set out. Because I have, a, I'm, I have, a, I do have a growing female audience, so I do want them to be encouraged and gain the self confidence to go out there and do it. Because you know, we only live one life, and people realize you have. People think they have two lives, but when when they realize they only have one is when they really get to work. Well, and husbands too. I've had a variety of husbands reach out and say, my wife loves hunting, but she needs like a confidence boost. Um, There's been lots of women actually that come on trips because their husbands are like, you're doing this. You need, you know, um, you deserve this. You need some time on your own. You need to make some more women friends that are, you know, doing the hunting thing. Um, you need to boost your confidence. Um, this is a wonderful, I love you gift. This is a wonderful Christmas present. Um, and so we've seen all of that stuff. So it, and it's awesome. And, and really we haven't had a dissatisfied customer. So it's been, it's been great. That's a, that's a, I think that's a good way to end it right there. Not a dissatisfied customer. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the best ways to reach out to you, Liz? Um, just our Facebook. I think that's um, kind of the general gist of it. Hunter LA um, is right there on Facebook and um, shooting a direct message or commenting on posts or checking out the events. Um, that's kind of the easiest way kind of just to have all of the information out there. And then, you know, we post just, cool stuff on there too um interesting places to visit or um just things that are going on in the outdoor world so um yeah like um follow and share i think that's kind of the basis of facebook um spread the good word and um take it all in yourself perfect well there you have it folks thank you liz for coming on and talking about this awesome program you, you established thank you so much you're very welcome 